Hey, I think the Miami Hurricanes receivers are holding on to footballs again. Here are your top five Miami Hurricanes week one storylines. You are locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, contributor to allhurricanes.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So the show is free. Make sure to support us and make sure to spread the word, especially this week, guys. We are four days away. In four days, Mario Cristobal on the sidelines for the first time as Kane's head coach, running through that smoke for the first time in the 2022 season. I couldn't possibly be more excited. Uh, I'll be on and around campus all week this week. I caught the media availabilities yesterday for Mario Cristobal, offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis, defensive coordinator Kevin Steele, and quite frankly, there's a lot to talk about, guys. There is a lot to talk about, so I'm going to give you my top five Miami Hurricanes week one, game one storylines. Number one, I think this is an important place to start. Positive injury news overall, with a notable exception, but Heading into game one, we're about as healthy as we could expect to be based on the events of the last couple of weeks. Zion Nelson, starting left tackle, has been back in practice. Cristobal confirmed that at media availability on Monday. Now, you'll notice something about Mario. A lot of coaches do this. You have to really, really pry to get any sort of details out of him. He keeps everything very close to the vest. He would not specify or confirm if Zion will play in the opener or how many reps he will get. I suspect that maybe Zion Nelson could get a little bit of playing time against Bethune-Cookman. I wouldn't bank on it, but I would suspect. Uh, So we certainly know that once Zion Nelson is fully healthy, he's Miami's starting left tackle. So if he's not ready to be Miami's starting left tackle this Saturday, John Campbell will be. But as soon as Zion is fully ready, he's going to be the starting left tackle and – With Zion being back in practice, it's pretty obvious he's going to be good to go by the Texas A&M game. Probably before, but don't worry about Zion for Texas A&M. And then, you know, once Zion is fully back, I think then we're all curious to see what's going to happen with John Campbell. Because Campbell, who's the understudy at multiple positions, he looks good enough to be a starting offensive lineman to me. So he may end up maybe taking over the starting right tackle spot, maybe moving DJ Scaife inside. Cristobal was asked that specific question yesterday and, you know, didn't confirm it. (laughs) Basically said, we will explore all combinations and all possibilities on the offensive line. But I can tell you, John Campbell's had a really good camp. All right. More good injury news. Tight end Will Mallory, who's been limited throughout camp, is a full go for Saturday, Mario Cristobal said. So you can expect Will to be tight end one. Elijah Arroyo likely to be tight end two on the depth chart. Um, as far as tight end three, it could be Jaleel Skinner, the true freshman. He's got the highest ceiling out of the rest of the guys. Could be Khalil Brantley, could be Dominic Mamorelli. Got a lot of tight ends who can play. But Will Mallory, full speed ahead, he's good to go. Jalen Knighton, the rooster. He has been banged up in practice recently, but the rooster is ready to fly. He's ready to crow. Sorry for the bad puns. 
Mario Cristobal says he's okay. That's good news. Um, now, Don Chaney, uh, not great news, but I think okay news. Chaney, uh, I don't think it's going to miss more than the first three or four weeks, maybe three or four games max, if I'm reading into the situation correctly. Cristobal has confirmed that uh, the Chaney's injury, not nearly as significant as Trevante Citizen's injury, and it's been confirmed he's going to play at some point this year. So I think maybe Chaney uh, could be ready to go by probably the conference opener against North Carolina. I don't know if he'll be ready for Texas A&M, but probably by the ACC opener. Uh, in the meantime, yeah, Miami, as we talked about on yesterday's episode, they've added an experienced UAB running back in the transfer portal for depth. Lucius Stanley comes into Miami as a redshirt senior walk-on. Uh, I think he's going to play a lot on special teams and – uh, I think he's pretty good. He put up some good numbers at UAB the last couple of years. So if, you know, he's going to be in competition to get some playing time early in the year. Now, we did ask Cristobal specifically about Lucius Stanley. Um, and as of yesterday, Mario didn't know if he was allowed to talk about him yet. So, you know, NCAA rules, compliance, since the transfer probably wasn't 100% like set in stone, there was still paperwork to be done. Mario did not know if he could talk about him yet, so he refrained from talking about him, okay? Now, last thing on the injury front is the bad news, but it's bad news we've known for a couple of weeks. Trevante Citizen, true freshman running back. I think he would have played a lot this year because he had an awesome camp before he got hurt. Significant injury. We hear it's a knee injury, and uh, I believe he's out for the season. So that is unfortunate. So that's significant uh Week one storyline number one is positive overall news on the injury front, okay? Let's move on to number two. This goes back to what I said about Mario keeping everything close to the vest. As of Tuesday morning here, we do not have a depth chart. Nothing released to the public. And I'm sure Cristobal has like a working depth chart, but they have not released a depth chart to the media or the public. And yes, a lot of programs around the country have already released their week one depth chart. Miami hasn't, not yet anyway. Uh, Mario talked about that. He said he doesn't want to release a disingenuous depth chart. Like he doesn't want to release like a Fugazi depth chart just to put something out for the sake of putting something out. And uh, I think it's worth pointing out that the reason why they've not released a depth chart yet is there are legitimately positions on this football team that are undecided undecided starters at certain spot undecided too deep at certain spots the battles are continuing my friends throughout the week heading into game one it's like the way i see it okay and feel free to let me know in the comments if you think i'm wrong about any of these or if you think i'm leaving this out all right you can make comments on youtube you can tweet us at locked on canes if you follow us at locked on canes we will follow you back because the way that i see it Really, outside of quarterback with Tyler Van Dyke, slot receiver with Xavier Restrepo, and Rashard Smith, I think, is the solid number two there. Possibly tight end, because I assume Will Mallory is TE1, tight end one. Um, I think four out of five offensive line spots are probably decided, at least for the first week. Um, James Williams at safety should be penciled in as a starter immediately. Tyreek Stevenson at one of the corner spots. Outside of those names, guys, I think that there are battles raging for like half of the starting positions and two deep positions. Like outside of the names that I just mentioned, I think there are a ton of other positions up for grabs, especially on the defensive line, right? I mean, 
I could give you like three possible starting four man defensive lines and they could all look correct. Like you could say, oh, yeah, that looks about right. <laughs> right. You could have like Leonard Taylor as a first teamer. Leonard Taylor is a second teamer. Uh, you know, Jafari Harvey is a first teamer or Nigel Lee Kelly is a first. Like you, I could give you a bunch of different com uh, um, combinations. You could say, yeah, those look right to me. OK, so. That's why we don't have a depth chart yet. And Cristobal did confirm that defensive line is a huge battle. Um, so really, um, oh, outside receiver positions also. And I think right guard between Justice O and Logan Sagapalu is undecided. I think linebacker is still undecided. So that's number two. No depth chart yet, I think, is a significant storyline. Number three. And I teased this one at the beginning, and this is positive. I think this is good news. The depth chart thing, I guess you could look at it as good news or bad news, right? Bad news because we all want a depth chart immediately. I want it now, Veruca Salt. Uh, we all want it immediately, but I think it's good news that there's a lot of competition. But number three, I think this is definitely good news. Mario Cristobal sounds more optimistic about wide receiver play and consistency. He said the last four days in practice had been really good. Quote, we've seen more reliability. Felt good leaving practice Saturday. Yesterday also. Yesterday meaning Sunday because he said it Monday. So Saturday and Sunday and then the previous couple of days, um, Mario Cristobal has indicated the wide receivers are doing better. They're holding on to more footballs, right? Because, again, that could be, that could be an Achilles heel for this football team. We know Miami has a great quarterback. We saw it over the final six games last year with Tyler Van Dyke. He's doing and saying all the right things leading up to the season. I think the only thing that could derail TVD is ball catchers not catching balls, right? So uh, if these guys can put it together, then I think Tyler Van Dyke is going to have one of the best quarterback seasons in the in the country this year. And if these guys can catch football's consistency, consistently is the word I'm looking for, that's terrible news for the rest of the ACC terrible news because if tvd is hitting 60 yard bombs down the field multiple times per game just you know the coastal is in huge trouble all right and uh, on the receivers josh gaddis offensive coordinator spoke yesterday he spoke very highly of his tight end room in addition to the receivers quote we've got a really good room he said about the tight ends when you look at getting will mallory back back from injury like we said didn't have him in the spring he's a big time player elijah arroyo has had a really good camp uh, he's first team Aldano, and we're going to give out the rest of those positions later this week, by the way. But yeah, Elijah Arroyo is the guy we really expect him to blow up and jump off the page this year, big time. Um, continuing on Arroyo, uh, Gaddis says he's developed himself the most in the room of trying to be a complete tight end. Dom Mamarelli, my Italian paisano, he's had a great camp, stepped up, and Jaleel Skinner was in that mix as well. Khalil Brantley. So we're looking at five deep that can contribute. Hmm. Who's been saying for months that Miami's five deep at tight end? Might have been this guy. Josh Gaddis echoes that. The top of that group, of course, are Will Mallory, Elijah Arroyo, and then I think Miami's even deep beyond that. Uh, so I want to get to our number four and number five top week one storylines when we come back. Let me give you a little taste of that, my friends. We will talk about the defense we will talk about tackling and 
we're going to talk about this brilliant coaching staff that Miami has developed and how this is going to mesh together on game day. And also, man, before this episode is over, it's a loaded locked on Canes. Before this episode is over, we're going to have a couple of recruiting updates. You've got some bad and some not so bad. Uh, but the not so bad maybe should make you smile just a little bit. So keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And make sure you keep it locked to betonline.net. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all of the all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. I'm on Bet Online every single day, guys, checking the odds. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, college football, combat sports, esports, even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sporting wagering info from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. Yeah, they have you covered. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening right now. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, and we are available free on YouTube. We have a goal for the YouTube. Our YouTube's been growing since May, growing big time, but we want to get to 5,000 subscribers on YouTube by the Texas A&M game on September 17th. So, folks, spread the word. If you've been watching these shows and you haven't hit the subscribe button, I don't know what you're waiting for. Hit it. And spread the word to other Canes fans in your life that we do these shows every day. Audio channel, which is awesome. Take us with you wherever you go. And the video channel on YouTube is awesome. Please hit that subscribe button. Get us to 5K by Texas A&M, guys. Let's freaking go. So we continue our top five week one Miami Hurricanes storylines. We've talked about wide receiver play looking more consistent in practice. No depth chart yet because there are so many battles and positive overall injury news. So let's get to number four, okay? Defensive coordinator Kevin Steele sounds very encouraged by his defense. And it was great speaking with Coach Steele yesterday. Coach Steele is, um, I don't know, he's just, he's old school. Like he's an older guy, been around for a long time, but he just, he looks and sounds like football. <laughs> Like, if I had no idea who Kevin Steele was and I met him on the street and I struck up a conversation with him, I think within 30 seconds, I'd say, you're a football coach, aren't you? He'd say, yes, I am. Like, he's, I don't know, he's just got those old school football coach vibes. I really like him. Uh, so he, uh, Kevin Steele downplayed the idea of depth charts, right? That these days, this day and age, especially, and Miami's got a lot of depth on the defense. Like, he emphasized rotation, more than like, hey, we have designated starters and designated second teamers full of rotation. I mean, Steele said Miami is basically six deep on the interior of the D-line and seven deep on the edge. And it sounds to me like overall on every level with linebacker being the least deep, right? Defensive secondary, very deep. Defensive line, incredibly deep. Linebacker, not as much. But it sounds to me like overall the Hurricanes basically have more than two full starting units worth of players to rotate possibly 24 or 25 defensive players can see significant time this year. And that's a good thing. Uh, Kevin Steele was asked a good question. I can't remember which media member asked. It wasn't me. If it was a good question, you know, you know, it wasn't mine, but he was asked a good question about what he wants the identity of Miami's defense to be. It might've been Tim Reynolds from the Associated Press who asked him that he said, quote, 
We want to be physically and mentally tough, he said. We want you to know you've been tackled. <laughs> Guys, um, I can't emphasize it enough. They have been drilling proper technique in tackling constantly. Now, you can drill it all you want. You know, actual game days when the lights are on on Saturdays, that's, you know, that's, that's when it really counts. But um, they are trying to fix the tackling issues from last year, which were basically fundamentals. Bad angles, bad form, not driving through your tackles. Um, you know, not, you know, not just, I can't say it any better than Steele. We want you to know you've been tackled. Um, more from Coach Steele. He was complimentary of his cornerbacks, specifically mentioned. Now, obviously, we know Tyreek Stevenson is a stud. Um, you know, and he's had nice things to say, as has Coach Cristobal has had nice things to say about DJ Ivy. But Steele also specifically mentioned Isaiah Dunson, Malik Curtis, who we don't talk enough about. He specifically commented on Malik Curtis's speed. I think Malik Curtis could get some reps on special teams, returning kicks or punts. And he mentioned to Corey Couch as a guy who's standing out as well, which is nice. Uh, and also, uh, while he didn't name names, Steele did say that there are definitely some true freshmen on the roster who can help the team being the defense. So again, he didn't name anybody specifically, but you know, for those of us who have really followed fall camp, I'm guessing he is talking about Nigel Lee Kelly, freshman defensive end who's been a monster and a freak in practice. I would imagine Wesley Besaint is going to get some burn at linebacker, going to be one of the great linebackers of the future here at Miami. And I've heard really good things about Chris Graves at corner, just to name a few. So these are some true freshmen that may be able to impact the team right away. And then my number five storyline, okay, um, and it was nice yesterday. We got to talk to the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator. Number five, when you have a coaching staff full of maestros, the game day routine should be a symphony each and every week. You see what I did there? The maestro. Who told you to put the bomb on? The maestro did. The maestro. Uh, so Mario Cristobal, we know, of course, the head coach, the CEO. I'm sure he's going to be very animated on the sidelines, you know, especially with the offensive line. Uh, Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, confirmed yesterday he's going to be calling the offensive plays from the booth upstairs. So that's where he's going to be positioned. Now, Personally, for OCs, I tend to prefer that setting. Some like to be on the field. Some like to be in the booth. I tend to prefer the OC being up above because I feel like for that duty, uh, it's good to be able to see as much of the field as possible. I think that's helpful for an offensive play caller. While Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator, says he's done it both ways throughout his long career, but he's going to be calling the defense from the sideline this year, he said. So Steele will be on the field on the sideline. Gaddis is going to be up getting the bird's eye view in the booth. Uh, Mario Cristobal said, you know, now that the Hurricanes are transitioning here from fall camp mode to real game mode, he says the hardest part about game day or like the game day simulations that they did in the scrimmages is like keeping the coaches off the field, you know, because during the regular practices, they get right up in there for those teachable moments and positioning. The coaches just invade the field, obviously from now on, it is up to the players to internalize every assignment, and I hope they're up to it. Both sides of the football, learning a new offense, 
learning a new defense. I know that the defense is very much going to be based on, uh, well, you know, I was going to say it's based a lot on aggression and instincts, but it is very scheme-based as well. So hopefully these players have internalized everything and are, are just ready to go out there and dominate. So those are your top five storylines. Uh, as far as looking ahead to this game, and we're going to be talking about week one, performance one from Miami throughout the rest of the week. I know it's Bethune-Cookman. So, you know, some weeks, like when Miami's about to go up against Texas A&M or about to go up against any ACC opponent, we're going to talk a lot about the opponent and the threats that they offer. Bethune-Cookman doesn't offer like any actual threat to challenge Miami. But as far as what I want to see on Saturday from the Hurricanes, the most important thing for me, the unit I'm going to be watching most closely is the offensive line. They need to bully the line of scrimmage. If you can't do that against Bethune-Cookman, it's going to be a really difficult season for the running game and in pass protection. Now, last season and the offensive line, pretty similar to last year's, a lot of the same personnel. They were a lot better in pass protection than they were in run blocking last year. So that's the big thing for me. We know Miami is going to want to run the football a lot this week. Um, so emphasize the running game i need to see miami's offensive line mauling that bethune cookman defensive front because that's a way where you can kind of get a gauge on how good miami is right because when it comes to skill position guys like miami's receivers are just going to be way too fast for bethune's defensive backs and on you know most areas miami is just going to be bigger stronger faster at every position than bethune cookman so I need to see that manifested in the offensive line. If the offensive line struggles to get any sort of push and if they give up any sort of pressure and if they have like running plays that go for a loss, then I'm going to be a little worried. So I need to see the offensive line establish bully ball. So, yes, we need to see Miami establish a running game, but you need to go out of your way, I believe, this week to throw the football a little bit as well. So, yeah, you want to keep your offense, obviously, vanilla for the first two weeks. You don't want to show too much against Bethune and then against Southern Miss because you don't want to really give uh, Texas A&M too many clues as to what you're going to throw at them week three. But you still have to run your offense. Like, that that's something that's really been emphasized to me is. but So don't reveal all your secrets, but we need to get the passing game in rhythm. Like, don't just go out there and run the ball 45 times and never throw it because – you need to build some confidence in these wide receivers. If we talk about wide receiver, I don't care how good they've been in the last four practices. Wide receiver has been an issue throughout fall camp and throughout the spring as well. Consistency, holding on to footballs, it's been an issue. So I think these first couple of games, I think it's important to take some deep shots. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, try to get in rhythm with his wideouts. That way they're going to have a lot more confidence heading into September 17th. Um, so give these guys confidence before the game start getting tougher. And yeah, I want to see week one, given the opponent, I want to see Miami get plenty of backups and third stringers on the field, build a big lead early, give a lot of different units some playing time. Now, Crystal ball was asked about that yesterday, not by me. I know better. Right. And you know what? Maybe the person who asked him that question understood. I'm not going to get an answer, but I have to try it. It's my job to try. I didn't have the balls to do that. But he was asked about like, you know, do you would you like to see getting second, third, fourth stringers in the game? And Cristobal absolutely did not want to entertain that question because he doesn't want to be disrespectful to Bethune Cookman. Good for Mario. 
I thought he handled the question the right way because, you know, you're going up against a, an FCS team. Uh, if you start talking about, yeah, we'd like to get our third and fourth string quarterbacks in there and all that, it's incredibly disrespectful to Bethune-Cookman. So I'm glad Cristobal, I can talk about that kind of stuff. Cristobal can't. I'm glad he didn't bite on that. And then really, the number one goal for this game is to get everybody out of there healthy. We got to talk some recruiting, some bad and some not so bad. Um, a Miami target did choose a different university yesterday. We will talk about it. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen each and every day. We are part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, so we had a Miami target drop a commitment last night. Did not go our way. Four-star offensive tackle, Monroe Freeling, who I like a lot. He chose Georgia. Miami was a finalist for him. Six-foot-seven tackle with a lot of upside. I would have loved to have had him. Don't get me wrong. He ends up choosing the dogs over the Hurricanes, Florida, Alabama and Clemson were his finalists. And honestly, I think the biggest L there is probably for Clemson and for South Carolina, who weren't even a finalist because he, he's a South Carolina kid. He's a, a local guy in South Carolina. He ends up choosing uh, Georgia over a handful of schools, including Miami. Now, Miami had been getting a little bit of buzz for Freeling over the last month or so, but uh, Georgia has had been the favorite for quite some time. Okay, so. Um, Miami missed out on this one. Monroe Freeling is going to UGA. So we all know what this hopefully leads to. We want Miami to land the pancake honcho. Yes, Miami is still, for those of you asking, Miami is still trending for Samson Okun Lola. He still, to my knowledge, has not dropped his announcement date yet. So we still don't know when he's going to announce. We know it's going to involve pancakes. <laughs> Like he's going to have props for his announcement. Uh, and Miami, by the way, so if you're wondering why I say Miami's still trending, uh, the Hurricanes still hold unanimous crystal balls for Okun Lola, who's um, five-star offensive tackle out of uh, Thayer Academy in Massachusetts. Five-star, uh, really gifted guy. I mean, if he does end up coming in this class, I could see him as Miami's left tackle of the future. And Francis Maui Goa probably is Miami's right tackle and would be, you know, best, like, bookend offensive tackles in the country if they come in together. So the Hurricanes still hold all the crystal balls on 24-7 sports. And the on-three tracker, which they kind of do it like a stock market, still has him trending over 95% to the U. We know that can change. It can obviously change, of course. And, yeah, I do admit, um, the longer his recruitment goes on, the more opportunity it gives someone like Alabama, who's in the mix, Michigan State, who's in the mix. I'm hearing a little bit of buzz for Ohio State. Not quite as much as I've heard for Bama and Michigan State, though. But yeah, listen, the longer Okun Lola waits, the more uh, firepower Nick Saban is going to throw at him. So, you know, obviously, the longer this goes, the more Miami is at risk of losing their lead. I think if he had committed um, in July or August, it definitely would have been Miami. Now I have a few doubts, but I I'd love to land Samson Okun Lola. If Miami can land the pancake honcho, it would make this probably the best offensive line class in Miami Hurricanes history. You look at what Miami has already verbally committed for 2023. Five-star offensive tackle Francis Maui Goa, considered the best 
offensive lineman in the entire class. He's on his way to the U. He's a monster. Four-star Tommy Kinsler, who can play tackle or guard. So can Maui Goa, actually. They can both play tackle or guard. Three-star guard Antonio Tripp, who's doing really, really well already at IMG Academy. I think he'll end up being a four-star. Four-star center Connor Liu, who I've heard was the top-ranked center by Miami's coaches, that that's the center they like the best, and they got him. And you've also got three-star tackle Frankie Tinelau, Australian, who recently moved to Miami, plays now at Miami LaSalle. Uh, he's got upside through the roof, right? I mean, Tinelau does not have quite the buzz and the credentials of the other members of the class, but this guy grew up playing rugby down under in Australia, so he's like he's raw. He's still learning American football and the nuances of it. He's got the type of build and just the type of nasty where I think he's going to be an excellent player. So Miami's in good shape at the offensive line, but it could get a lot better. It could get a lot better if you can land the pancake honcho after missing out on Monroe Freeling. And on Freeling, I wish him the best. I really do. <laughs> Go to Georgia, kick butt, have an awesome career. Maybe we'll see you in a national championship game in the next couple of years. How about that? All right, guys, I had a lot of fun on this episode. Make sure to subscribe to the audio version of our podcast available on Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get your pods. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Help us get to 5,000 by the Texas A&M game. We're a little over 4,500 right now, so I feel like we can do this. We've got this in our sights, man. 5,000 YouTube subscribers. Let's go. We will have more. Uh, more content coming later today because we're talking uh, with Tyler Van Dyke in a little bit, uh, Jafari Harvey, a couple of other can- – and Dan Radakovich. We're talking to the, the athletic director today. So I'm going to be all over campus all day. We will have you guys covered right here on Locked on Canes. Make sure you make Locked on ACC your second listen. Go listen right now. Candace Cooper and the local hosts do an awesome job taking you around the ACC in 30 minutes or less. And thank you for making Locked on Canes your first listen We will talk to you again throughout the day and tomorrow right here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.